What's up, all you fantastic fans out there? Welcome to the Blindside Blitz podcast for Friday, May 22nd, 2020. (laughs) I am back. It has been a hot minute since I have recorded an episode, but I've got a great show lined up for you today, and I'm thrilled that I've back into the NFL with you. Uh, Before I do, though, I want to remind you guys to stay connected to the show through my website and social media. Some of you guys are probably hearing about that for the first time or being reminded uh, because you completely forgot. Uh, which I would not blame you for since it's been so long since I've recorded an episode. Uh, but you can visit the website at theblindsideblitzpodcast.weebly.com. Uh, Facebook and Instagram, the handle is at theblindsideblitzpodcast, and on Twitter, at underscore blindsideblitz. Look, if you guys like the show today, don't keep it to yourself. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your fantasy football commissioner, tell your grandma, tell your weird neighbor across the street. You know, tell everybody so that they too can get some of the dulcet tones of my voice. Uh, but if you don't like the show, that's fine. I get it. I probably wouldn't listen to me either. Uh, no hard feelings. I respect you. Look for a different podcast. We're all good. But, you know, just keep it to yourself. Yeah, nobody likes a grudge. Uh, I still love you. Don't worry. Now, without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. Well, Bilbo Baggins famously said he needed a holiday, and he didn't expect he would return. But ladies and gentlemen, I am no Bilbo Baggins. I have returned after my holiday. I am also not like him in many other ways as well. But, you know, the point is, I'm back after an extended absence. So, welcome back to the Blindside Blitz podcast, and I do sincerely apologize for that Lord of the Rings reference at the beginning of the show, and especially for those of you who didn't get the reference, but if you don't like Lord of the Rings, I I can't help you in that area. You're too far gone. Um, But, you know, at this point, it's second nature to me, plus quarantine has made me really, really crazy, so it's sort of a a double whammy there. Uh, We are now in the third month of the first year of quarantine. I know that's really not funny and sort of depressing at the same time, but the point is it's it feels like it's been decades at this point. I've been off the grid for a while now, so I'm really excited to return as we look forward to the potential 2020 NFL season. I recognize it's potential at this point, but we are looking forward to hopefully having football this year, and I'm also excited to inform you that I am not in fact dead, that I am still alive despite my going AWOL there for a little while, uh, but Quarantine hasn't all been bad. I've had some uh, some nice things happen to the show as of late. As you probably noticed, over the past few weeks, I've gotten some new cover art and new bumper music for the show. So that's pretty awesome. There's been some good things that have come out of it. Uh, credit goes to Tyler Noss for the bumper music and Ethan Buffington for the cover art. I think they're both pretty awesome, so thanks to them. Uh, but, you know, look, I, I won't lie. When they canceled or at least postponed baseball... I was pretty indifferent at first. Uh, When the remainder of the NBA season got shut down, I was starting to get really disappointed. And then when college basketball got canceled, I started to get, like, literally depressed and a little bit nervous because we're now at the point where the NFL is in danger, and I'm I'm full-out petrified. It's it's really scary. Like, there are so many different questions out there. Are we going to start on schedule? Are we going to have a shortened season? Will we have any NFL at all this year? Will there be will there be fans in attendance? Or are there going to be fake fan sound effects? Which is legitimately something that the NFL is seriously considering. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy at this point. I just don't know. 
I'm scared about it. It's just, it's just really weird. Um, but you know, I'm not going to try to make this a political, you know, a, a political episode or pretend I know anything about medicine. I'm just going to, you know, turn to something that's always been there to take our minds off of the world's troubles. And you know, that's football. You know, we hope and pray and cross our fingers that we'll have the NFL in 2020. But today, we're going to turn to it. We're going to turn to the league. And the episode that we're going to be having today is going to be centered around the most valuable player discussion. Today, I'm going to be giving my way too early thoughts on the MVP race for 2020. So, sit back, enjoy the episode today as we look forward to hopefully, fingers crossed, having NFL in 2020. Let's go! Most Valuable Player of the NFL. What an award it is. And honestly, I don't know what to think most of the time regarding who is actually given the award. I generally think the decision is a solid one. I can't recall a year, at least in recent memory, that I significantly disagreed with the MVP decision. I mean, I will say there were times where I wasn't fully behind the player that was awarded, but... I think it's been a pretty solid choice, at least in recent years. And I don't have a problem with all the bias towards quarterback in the category. I mean, I know there's a lot of people out there who get upset that it's pretty much always a quarterback that wins the award. But, I mean, it's a quarterback-driven league. If you don't have a good quarterback, you're not going to win. You know? In a movie set, if you don't have a good director, the cast is going to completely delve into chaos. If you don't have a good quarterback, your team's going to delve into chaos. It's not that difficult to wrap your head around. Well, obviously, there's always a running back or, you know, some other position player that I really think it'd be cool if they if they won MVP some year. There's always that guy, but the quarterback's the offensive mastermind. He's the guy that runs everything, and to be honest, I think it's appropriate that they win it, you know, the vast majority of the time. Um, but I do think that there are definitely years in which the quarterbacks are given the award almost by default when a different position player probably should have won. You know, you think back to uh, 95, Emmett Smith, Chris Johnson's year in, in 09. Um, these are just some of the running backs that come to mind. Even Jerry Rice in 87. These are guys that probably should have won MVP, but quarterbacks were awarded that 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 trophy <laughs> ahead of them. And in some ways, I think those years sort of exemplify how it's sometimes given to quarterbacks by default just because of the position they play and how instrumental and important they are to the uh, to, to the league in, 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 in and of itself. I mean, there's there's always, too, you know, the ones that, that shake things up, those bizarre awards. Redskins kicker Mark Mosley back in 1982. How many of you guys remember that? Back when they gave the MVP award of the entire league to a kicker on the Redskins. I think the guy went 20 of 21, and they went 8-1, and one, I think, the Redskins did that season. It was it was during a year where the league was shortened to due to a strike, and they gave it to a kicker. <laughs> I, I just love that. Honestly, that's one of my favorite stories in football, is Mark Mosley, Redskins kicker, winning an MVP award. But it's also sort of a knock to any other running backs, you know, that don't win it, or honestly, any other quarterbacks that, that you could argue deserved it. Still, though, I think it's a cool story. Uh, back in 1971, Vikings defensive tackle Alan Page won the award. Now, in fairness, that was a time where they were giving two MVPs, one for the AFC and one for the NFC. Uh, but still, cool to see a defensive player win it. 
Those are some of my favorite MVP years, just because they're cool and bizarre. Uh, we've had a pretty solid streak of different quarterbacks winning the award lately. Uh, we haven't had a running back win the MVP since Adrian Peterson back in 2012. And we haven't had back-to-back MVPs since Peyton Manning in, 09, oh, in 08 and 09, which is sort of a really interesting stat, I think. Based off of the fact that we've had so much dominance, you think of Tom Brady hasn't won the award in back-to-back years since then. It's, 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 it's interesting. There's so much turnover at quarterback every year. Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes as of late. You know, hard for a quarterback to win the award in back-to-back years. So, who's it going to be in 2020? Let's jump in to the top 10 list. That's what we're going to talk about today. I've got a top 10 list of 10 players that I think are most likely to win the award this year. It's going to be a top 10 list in that order, 10 most likely players. And before we start with that list, I'll give you my two favorite Dark Horse candidates for the award. So we'll we'll kick it off with the Dark Horse candidates and then go into my top 10, starting with number 10, in order of the players I think have the best chance to win MVP this coming year in 2020. Beginning with Dark Horse candidate number one. Gosh, I am so excited for this episode. You have no idea. I jump into some MVP talk. To find our first candidate, we head out to the AFC West. We head to the quarterback position. Drew Locke is my absolute favorite Dark Horse candidate. I would like to say he's flying under the radar, but I feel like he's a pretty popular pick at this point for Dark Horse MVP, so maybe he's not actually flying under the radar. Whatever the case may be, he's my favorite pick for Dark Horse. It's admittedly super unlikely that it's going to happen, mostly just because, you know, Drew Locke, MVP, really. It sounds weird, Uh, and he's really pretty unproven at this point. But you can't say it's impossible. Think back, for example, to Kurt Warner's MVP season in 1999. Look, if Drew Locke rises to an excellent level of play, which is entirely possible, MVP is not out of the question with the pieces he has in place. They have arguably the best pair of running backs in the league in Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. And what's so cool about them is that they're both the full package, but their strengths are in different places. Melvin Gordon is more of the ground and pound running back, and Philip Lindsay is more of the elusive back that catches passes out of the backfield. But they both can do it all. Melvin Gordon can also catch passes. Philip Lindsay can also pound the rock. They complement each other so well, but they can both do it all, which is why I think they're the best pair of running backs in the league, and both of them could be a starter on most teams across the NFL. Uh, They have a really great up-and-coming young tight end in Noah Fant. Uh, They just shored up the receiving core by adding K.J. Hamler out of Penn State and Jerry Judy out of Alabama, a couple of great guys with awesome potential, to join Cortland Sutton, who I will continue to say is the most underrated wide receiver in the entire National Football League until people give him the respect that he deserves. So, honestly, unlimited potential for this receiving core. Drew Locke and the Broncos' offense, I think, is still flying under the radar. And while there's certainly a chance that it doesn't click yet, the upside is pretty awesome. I admit, and this is why he's a Dark Horse candidate, I admit that it's very unlikely that he wins MVP this year. But if things click and if things go right for the Broncos' offense, if things work perfectly, he's going to have an excellent, unprecedented season. Well, not unprecedented because... I'm calling it right now, but you get the point. He's going to have a great season if everything clicks. It might take a couple years, and maybe he will win MVP down the road. But if everything goes right, Drew Locke is going to have a shot at MVP this year in 2020. And I'll mention his odds are, 
uh, 12,500, plus 12,500. I'll mention the odds for these guys as well as I go through. So he is really far down the list in terms of MVP odds, but he comes in as my Dark Horse candidate number one. Moving on to Dark Horse candidate number two, who has much better odds at uh, 4,000. This guy comes out of the AFC East from a team that many are dubbing the kings of the division at this point, based on the fact that Tom Brady is no longer there. Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills, and he has a really fun outlook. The AFC East is finally his for the taking. Buffalo Bills fans know it, but it's true. This is shaping up to be one of the potentially easiest divisions in football with the loss of Tom Brady and the fact that, let's not kid ourselves, the Dolphins and the Jets are still in rebuilding mode. People are going to come out there and try to tell you, oh, the Dolphins are going to be amazing this year and the Jets are finally going to bounce back. And it's like, okay, sure. But do we really expect either the Dolphins are going to or the Jets are going to get past eight wins? I don't. I don't think there's any way that they're there yet. Both teams are young, and both teams are going to continue to get better, but this is not their year. This is the Buffalo Bills' year because they are ready to win. They're built to win, especially now that Tom Brady is gone from the division. Their schedule isn't terrible either. It's not great, but it's not terrible. Um, But an MVP, obviously, is still a long shot for Josh Allen. I get it, which is why he's a dark horse. He has much better odds than Drew Locke, again, coming in at plus 4,000. So what has to happen for Josh Allen to win MVP? For him to win MVP, his team is going to have to step it up, and he's going to have to gel easily with his new wide receiver, Stephon Diggs. He's got a couple of nice pieces still on the team in Cole Beasley and John Brown. John Brown with that speed and Cole Beasley, more of the elusive, uh, quick guy. But Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen is going to have to be one of the best connections in the entire National Football League for him to be able to have a shot at winning MVP. Uh, Allen's going to have to have big games in primetime. They play, for example, the Chiefs week six on Sunday night. He's going to have to to absolutely show up for these games. No bones about it. He's going to have to show up for these primetime games. Uh, my favorite case for Josh Allen in order to, you know, sort of support the case for MVP is to point to Cam Newton's 2015 MVP campaign where he didn't have an off-the-chart statistical season, but he managed the game well. He came in clutch in important moments. He ran well and led his team to nearly a perfect season. They went 15-1 and and lost in the Super Bowl, if you remember that. So it's not impossible. It's a long shot, but it's not impossible. Josh Allen is really still getting a feel for the game, and he's improving constantly, and it really, really shows. Same thing for him as with Drew Locke. He might not be there yet, but he has a chance. Those are my two Dark Horse candidates, Josh Allen and Drew Locke, and we will now move on to my top 10 list, beginning with number 10. And coming in at number 10, we have a guy that enjoyed a great amount of success in the 2019 season, making it all the way to the Super Bowl, only to lose Jimmy Garoppolo, coming in with plus 3,300 odds for the MVP in 2020. Look, Garoppolo's a really interesting one. He's a fantastic quarterback. But the reason he falls so low on this list is because the Niners are predicated so much on staunch defense and a great rushing attack. So this isn't a commentary on how good of a quarterback he is, but when the 49ers are successful, it's generally not because he's had insane statistical numbers. There is a scenario, a very easy scenario, I think, where the 49ers win the NFC, win the Super Bowl, go 14-2, 13-3, and he still doesn't have the case for an MVP at all because his numbers just aren't there. That's certainly possible, and that's why he's number 10 on the list. 
And plus, the loss of Emmanuel Sanders certainly isn't going to help. Um, you know, he didn't put up great numbers while he was with the Niners, but he was an important piece of the puzzle, having that veteran presence. And, you know, sometimes, honestly, just out there to, to get somebody to guard him, you know, open things up for the other receivers. Wow. That was a short stint with San Francisco that Emmanuel Sanders had. Literally lasted like half a season. Anyways, but I mean, they've got the best tight end in the league, and if San Francisco's receiving core does finally coalesce around Garoppolo, and they do have that potential, Jimmy can easily blow past his 4,000-yard season, especially, you know, if the team wins the division, tops the NFC again. I love the potential of the receivers on San Francisco. Debo Samuel is one of my favorite underrated guys. Just He's just on the cusp of greatness, I think. Kendrick Bourne's not too bad. Travis Benjamin, who they just got out of the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, is a speedster. And they recently drafted Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State. There's potential in the receiving game as well. A lot of speed and elusiveness. And if these guys can tighten up their game, this could could be a dangerous, dangerous passing game. And the Niners are good enough that if Jimmy is able to put up any sort of, of, of solid numbers this year, he could have a case for MVP. They've got the talent. They've got the team. And Garoppolo has the potential, I think. Coming in at number 10, Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, coming in at number 9 is a guy that, admittedly, sort of throws my my statement that I made earlier, completely throws it for a loop, in which I said that I think it's appropriate that quarterbacks win the award most of the time, because I got a running back here at number 9. And that would be Derek Henry, coming in with plus 4,000 odds. I'm just going to say it. If shocker of all shockers, a non-quarterback wins MVP, it's not going to be Zeke, it's not going to be Kamara, not going to be CMC. It's going to be the beast of all beasts, Derek motherflippin' Henry. (laughs) Leading rusher last year, he led, yes, led his team to an AFC championship. Uses opposing defenses as lead blockers on his runs. It's (laughs) It's not that hard to see that Derek Henry is the best running back in the league, the most talented running back in the league. Add to that, it's not like he's a rookie that people weren't prepared for or like a super elusive running back. Derrick Henry is very simple and to the point. He stiff arms you and he runs you over. The NFL should have been able to figure out a decent way to stop him because he's been around in the league for a few years, but they couldn't. And if the Titans are good for a whole season this year, Because remember, Derrick Henry's resurgence came over the back half of the season. If the Titans are good for a whole season and they go 12-4, and can Derrick Henry challenge? Can Derrick Henry threaten Eric Dickerson's all-time rushing record? Well, no, probably not, admittedly. That's probably not going to happen. But he could. It's possible, I think. And if he does, and if we don't have a runaway MVP frontrunner at quarterback then, yes, we have a chance at the first running back MVP ever since Adrian Peterson in 2012. And it's not it's not Christian McCaffrey. It's Derrick Henry coming in at number 9 with plus 400 odds for the MVP award in 2020. So Derrick Henry slides in at number 9 on my list. Moving up to number 8 here, we head to a guy that, oh my goodness... The media loves this guy, both to praise him and trash him. He's a very polarizing figure. It's Baker Mayfield at number eight on my top ten list of MVP candidates in 2020. I know what you guys are saying. Well, Caleb, Baker Mayfield, what are you smoking? 
Yes, I know that Baker has been absolute, utter, and complete trash so far in his career. Honestly, I don't even think people realize how much of a garbage quarterback he's been since the Browns have actually won a few games. And, you know, in the last three years before before Baker Mayfield came to town, the Browns literally won four games. But the truth of the matter is, he's been pretty awful. Last year, he was second to last in completion percentage and passer rating, and threw 22 touchdowns compared to 21 interceptions. So... Why is he on the list, Caleb? Well, for starters, four words. No more Freddie Kitchens. Guy was absolute crap. He had no experience. The offense was never in sync. His situational play calling was so awful. His use of timeouts was terrible. The team had no discipline. They had penalties galore. It was really, really bad. So, enter Kevin Stefanski, who worked wonders with Kirk Cousins. Vikings had a 10-6 record last year. They went to the NFC Divisional game. Stefanski's going to be a lot better. Honestly, there's a lot of things that would be a lot better than Freddie Kitchens coaching the Browns. And the Vikings and Browns, honestly, are fairly comparable in terms of how their offenses are built. So I don't think it's going to be that much of a learning curve for him. Uh, Nick Chubb's still around. And if Derrick Henry didn't exist, he'd be the leading rusher of 2019. Plus, he still have Odell and Jarvis. College teammates, arguably the best wide receiver duo in the league. They get Austin Hooper, who was the number one tight end in the league before his injury. Uh, former Titans offensive lineman Jack Conklin to score to shore up you know the right side of the line, and supporting pieces like Kareem Hunt and David Njoku, who have really really had success in the past that people tend to forget about. And you have what's on paper one of the best offenses in the league. Bottom line is, this should work. I know this sounds <laughs> like the worst argument for anything anyone's ever given, but this should work. It works too well on paper for it not to work at all in real life, and it should click at some point. And this is as good a year as any for it to work. I would not be shocked if the Browns went 10-6, and got a wild card spot, and had some form of postseason success. But it's going to have to be on the back of stellar play from Baker Mayfield. This is coming from a Steelers fan. I'm not going to try to be naive about it and say, yeah, the Browns were crap last year. They're going to be garbage this year, too. It's possible. It would not shock me. The pieces are there. And like I said before, this has to work at some point, right? I just feel like it has to work. So Baker Mayfield comes in at number eight, plus 5,000 odds, by the way, for the MVP trophy in 2020. Let's move on. Coming in at number seven, we head back over to the NFC. Dak, Dak, Dakity Dak coming in at number seven with plus 2,000 odds to win the MVP. I know this is weird to say, but Dak Prescott's season last year was kind of underrated. And I know the Carson Wentz people are going to come for me. And look, I actually think Carson Wentz is probably the better quarterback for several reasons of the two. But Dak has been getting better. Last year, he barely missed hitting 5,000 passing yards, which is second in the league next to... Mr. Interception King, James Winston. He was one yard shy of Tony Romo's franchise record for most passing yards in a season for the Dallas Cowboys. And as an offense, the Cowboys literally dominated the league yardage-wise. Dak commanded the offense well. They added another stud wide receiver, CeeDee Lamb, in the draft. Pairing with Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper, you got a terrific trio of wide receivers. They did lose a few pieces, which will hurt his case. Jason Witten is gone. Travis Frederick retired. But the entire offense is still extremely capable. Zeke in the backfield, a solid offensive line. 
Dak has to seize this opportunity because the division is up for grabs. It is not a good division. But based on the talent that all four of these teams have, it's going to get better. And if he doesn't grab it with this offense right now, that would be pretty pathetic. The Eagles are not that great of a team on paper. The Redskins and the Giants are not great teams on paper. But to be honest, I think the Eagles still might win the division just because of how tough they are as a team and the type of quarterback Carson Wentz is. But on paper, the Cowboys are better. They have a better offense, and they had a great offense last year. They'll probably choke in the playoffs like they usually do, but Dak's going to only get better. He's got to win the division this year. They have the pieces. He's got to seize this opportunity, and if he doesn't, it's going to be sad. So Dak Prescott, and I, I, think he re- I think he's a good quarterback. I think he has a chance to do that this year. Seize a day, Dak. Come on. Stop disappointing. And I hate the Cowboys, so I don't even know why I'm saying this. But he comes in at number seven for me for my list of top ten MVP candidates, Dak Prescott. Number six, stay in the AFC. A guy that has plus 2,500 odds. A guy that possibly could be the next Lamar Jackson already, Kyler Murray. I am confident that Kyler Murray will win MVP at some point in his career. Saying it now, it's May 20th, 2020, is when I'm recording this podcast. He's young, he's explosive, he's a great rusher and a great passer, and in many ways he does look like Lamar, Lamar Jackson Jr. <laughs> uh, last year, admittedly, was pretty rough for them. They went 5-10-1, but they played lots of great close games against really talented opponents. They played a lot of these teams really close, and the Cardinals are in arguably the best division in football. So I really think they're a lot better than their record gave them credit for last year. He's a second-year guy, and at this point he has all the tools he needs to make that two-year jump, which happens a lot. Uh, He's going to jump from being that rookie. He's got a year under his belt. This is the most important year for him at this point. They have an offense that, again, like the Cowboys on paper, is absolutely insane. Best receiver in the game right now, DeAndre Hopkins, over from Houston. One of the best receivers of all time, Larry Fitzgerald. And a young, explosive, speedy wide receiver in Christian Kirk, who I had in fantasy last year. That was a rough ride. But he had some great games. Christian Kirk honestly could be a number one receiver on a lot of other teams. And he's their number three option for the Arizona Cardinals. Kenyon Drake is all of a sudden, like, an absolute beast in the backfield. Last three weeks of the season, last year, going back to 2019, he had a total of 404 yards and seven touchdowns nuts and they also shored up the defense this year too they got some new defensive pieces isaiah simmons out of clemson patrick peterson still got the secondary lockdown i don't know if it's going to click this year but it will at some point and this is as good a year as any for it to click even if they go 10 and 6 you know land a wild card spot especially since now there's three wild card spots per conference they could make some noise in the playoffs they've got that upside and if it happens it'll be on the back of Kyler Murray, who will carry this team. And I think it could happen as early as 2020. It would definitely not shock me. So, Kyler Murray comes in at number six in my top ten list. We're halfway through the list as we move into number five. This guy has won the award before. He's the greatest of all time. The best quarterback to ever play the game. Yes, I'm talking about Tom Brady. I'm wondering if people are going to think that number five is too low for him. Possibly people thought that about Kyler Murray, but you will have plenty of time, plenty of opportunities to tell me what went right and wrong in terms of this list. What did I get right? 
and what was so wrong it's laughable and not even funny. Okay, so Tom Brady comes in at number five. He's won this thing three times before, and this is by far the best receiving core he's ever had. That's what's scary about this. Like, I'm not all aboard the Buccaneers hype train, but it's scary to think that this guy won six Super Bowls with what was, aside from Randy Moss, a pretty terrible group of wide receivers. I mean, yeah, he worked with Wes Welker and Julian Edelman, but he had one reliable guy for most of his career, and now he's got four. At least three. Probably four. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, O.J. Howard, Ronald Jones at running back, who really is better than I think a lot of people give him credit for. Ronald Jones could have a good season, especially fantasy-wise, from a fantasy perspective. I don't even think they really need to go out and grab another running back. But that's beside the point. The point is, he's got a great offense. They just added a lineman, Tristan Wirfs, out of Iowa, who's a great, great talent. And Tom Brady's got one of the best minds in all of football. We're not looking at this transition as something that's going to be difficult for him. Brady's not going to have a hard time acclimating to Bruce Arians' offense. I mean, obviously, he's been with the Pats for two decades, so it's going to take some time, but he'll do it. It's not like he's a second-year guy that's you know, having to, having to change teams. No, this is the greatest football player of our entire, not only of our generation, he's the greatest football player ever. So for him to switch offenses, especially with a guy that people dub the quarterback whisperer in Bruce Arians, he's still playing with the tight end that he has rapport with and Rob Gronkowski, Brady can do it. Brady can do it. I, I, I will say this. I take the road less traveled when it comes to the Tom Brady on the Bucks argument. I don't think Tom Brady has anything left to prove. I know the talking point is that Brady has to go win with the Bucks, or else he's going to be just considered a product of Bill Belichick's system, and Bill's going to be given all the credit. Well, to quote Joe Biden, that's a bunch of malarkey. The man has won six Super Bowls. I don't care if it's Vince Lombardi or a diabetic platypus coaching him. The man is good, and that goes the same for Bill Belichick. So we've got to stop this narrative that now Belichick or Brady have to win on their own for them to be given any credit. These are both excellent, excellent. Just Bill Belichick is a fantastic coach and Tom Brady is a fantastic quarterback and it is evidenced by the success they've had. I don't care who coached Tom Brady. I don't care what quarterback played for Bill Belichick. They're great football players. They're a great football player and a great coach. End of story. So we need to stop acting like there's something left for Brady to prove on the Bucks. That being said, Brady's got a chip on his shoulder because of how many people continue to doubt him. And as long as Father Time doesn't have him in his clutches, he could go out and be a gunslinger once again this year. I don't think it was age that led Tom Brady to his subpar year in 2019. It was pretty clearly a lack of a supporting cast. That problem is solved in Tampa Bay. So Tom Brady has the opportunity to go out there and win another MVP. It would be his fourth one. Absolutely insane. But he could do it. Win it with another team. So Tom Brady comes in at number five. We're in the home stretch here as we move on to number four. And this will probably surprise a lot of people. Probably throw some people for a loop. It's Lamar Jackson coming in at number four. With plus 600 odds, I believe he is he has the second best odds of any of any player to win MVP in 2020. But for me, slips in at number four. Here's a scoop on Lamar Jackson. Only four players in NFL history have ever won MVP in back-to-back years. Jim Brown, Joe Montana, Brett Favre, and most recently Peyton Manning. 
don't call this a fallacious argument either. It's not a fallacy. It's just the way the NFL plays out. There are great NFL players, but rarely are players so great that they're the single most dominating player in the league for two straight years. It doesn't happen. Teams figure out how to slow them down. Teammates get shuffled around throughout the league. And it becomes nearly impossible to sustain that insane level of success that a player experiences when they win MVP. Heck, even Tom Brady hasn't won MVP in back-to-back years. Plus, we almost never see that with rushing quarterbacks like Lamar. Look at the quarterbacks that won. Joe Montana, Brett Favre, Peyton Manning. None of these guys are known for their rushing abilities. His insane rushing numbers aren't completely sustainable. He could always get hurt with his scrambling. And his offensive weapons are not quite up to the level of some of the other quarterbacks in the league. Okay, that was all an explanation for why he is so low on my list at number four. Let's not get cute, though. He won MVP last year. 3,127 pass yards, 36 touchdowns, 36 touchdowns, 1,206 rushing yards, seven rushing touchdowns. He was on fire. I will not say it's out of the cards. A second straight MVP is certainly still within the realm of possibility. He is a generational talent, and there's a reason he's still an MVP favorite. I understand that most of my explanation (laughs) was actually negative things about Lamar Jackson, but you get the point. That's only an explanation of why he's at number four. This guy could easily win it, and it only takes the eye test to see how he could win it in back-to-back years. What a great talent this guy is. I hate the fact that he plays in the same division as the Pittsburgh Steelers, but you got to do what you got to do. Lamar Jackson, he's a favorite, and he's one of my favorites to win MVP again in 2020. So he comes in at number four. Guess what, guys? We're all the way at number three. Let's go to find number three. Got to head over to the NFC to a guy that has enjoyed a great amount of success over the past several years, but he hasn't won that award yet. It is Russell Wilson coming in at plus 800 in terms of odds to win the MVP. Look, Wilson is always a wild card, I feel like, but this year could finally be his best shot at getting the award. Like I said, he hasn't won it before. He hasn't won the MVP yet. But look, he's a rushing threat. He's a passing threat. And halfway through the season last year, people forget this, but he was the front runner for MVP until Lamar Jackson did his thing. I love this stat. Through the first nine weeks of the season last year, Russell Wilson had one game with a passer rating of under 102. One game. Through that same span, he had seven games with multiple touchdowns. He made insane plays on a regular basis, and throughout the entire season, he had the best year of his career en route to an 11-5 record and a trip to the divisional round. Now, obviously, the second half of the season back end was not so good, not nearly as good as the first. But imagine if he is able to sustain that level of success for an entire year right now. The numbers, the potential for the numbers that he can put up is off the charts. And to be honest, the supporting cast is also really underrated. Tyler Lockett is a literal Swiss Army knife. He's fast. He's a great route runner. He's got terrific hands. DK Metcalf's a beast. (laughs) He'll have a monster year this year. I'm calling it right now. Second season, he's going to be able to make that jump. Great route runner. He's a physical specimen. The guy's insane. They also got Philip Dorsett from the Pats. And to some extent, Philip Dorsett had sort of functioned as like a de facto number one wide receiver for the Pats based off of whenever like they had some rough years when it came to receiving when it came to the receiving core. Plus, they have two great tight ends, veteran Greg Olson, up-and-comer Will Disley, and 
I think Chris Carson's one of the most underrated running backs in all of football. So, the pieces are in place. The talent is there. Is this the year that he finally nabs the elusive MVP award? Russell Wilson, I really think it easily could be. It's a tough division, but I think he can pull it off. So Russell Wilson comes in at number three, top 10 MVP candidates. Number two, one of my favorite football players to watch. One of my favorite guys in the NFL, just in general, Drew Brees. Honestly, how on earth does Drew Brees not have an MVP at this point? 13 Pro Bowls. Most passing touchdowns in NFL history. Most passing yards in NFL history. Most completions in NFL history. He basically has every single major passing record ever. But for whatever reason, he's always just been sort of consistently very good, but never like league dominating, which is probably why he's never gotten it. Plus, he's only ever got one Super Bowl under his belt. Yes, he's getting old, but his offense keeps getting better. The addition of Emmanuel Sanders is one of the best moves this offseason, period. Getting somebody that can make a great number two to Michael Thomas, who's a veteran who can help work with Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas is still a pretty young guy, so adding a veteran presence in Sanders, and Sanders isn't going to be the number one guy, he's going to be the number two. It's going to be great, perfect fit for him. They have a dominant tight end, Jared Cook, and a great rushing attack. A fresh new lineman in Cesar Ruiz out of Michigan. Breeze is going to have a lot to throw to to keep... He's going to have to throw a lot, rather, to keep up with the likes of Tom Brady, Teddy Bridgewater, Matty Ice within the division. And his supporting cast, I think, is set up to have a monster offensive year. If our number one guy doesn't win it, (laughs) it is Drew Breeze. Not Lamar Jackson or Russell Wilson that has the best shot of taking MVP. Breeze is set up for success. I really hope he's able to get an MVP. I hope he's able to get another Super Bowl, to be honest. I love the guy. He exemplifies what the quarterback position should be about on a regular basis. So Drew Brees, his odds are plus 1,800 to get the MVP of 2020. And by now, I think you've probably guessed who my number one is. It's a foregone conclusion for me. And he's a number one odds he's got the number one odds to win the mvp in 2020 it is patrick mahomes coming in at plus 350 odds everything about patrick mahomes just exudes greatness his passing ability his elusiveness his scrambling ability his vision his leadership his charisma his mental stamina honestly he's already won the award in 2018 and despite only playing 14 games last year in 2019 he still eclipsed 4,000 yards and he sported a 26-5 to touchdown-to-interception ratio. This guy's a legend in the making. He's going to win multiple MVPs throughout his career. And there's a reason he's the favorite again. In the prime of his career, he's got a supporting cast for the ages. Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Demarcus Robinson, Mecole Hardman. His receiving core is deeper than the flippin' Pacific Ocean. It's insane. You've got one of the best tight ends in the game, and all of a sudden, an explosive group of running backs in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out of LSU, coupled with Damian Williams, and you add Darwin Thompson. Obviously, the big thing here is health. The Chiefs have been able to stay relatively healthy, but any loss of a speedy offensive weapon could happen at any time. You saw Sammy Watkins struggle with injury last year, and it could be a major impact. That being said, we know what Patrick Mahomes' potential is. His upside is literally record-setting numbers. And he's already setting records, and it's only going to get better. 
He's the best player in the league, far and away the most likely to win MVP of 2020. Patrick Mahomes, number one on my list, and number one for a reason. Number one for a reason. The guy is great, and he is a star in the making. Well, that is going to do it for my top 10 way-too-early MVP preview for the 2020 season. Here's hoping that we do actually have a 2020 season because we could all really, really use it right now. What did you guys think of my list? I want to hear from you. What did I get wrong? What did I get right? Who did I leave off? Any dark horse candidates you prefer? Those are always fun to look at. So tweet me with your thoughts at underscore blindside blitz. Let me know. And thanks for tuning in. I really want to hear from you guys. Can't wait for you to just rip into me for all my screw-ups in this list because I know you guys probably think you could have done it way better. So tell me why. Tell me why I screwed up. Tell me why I messed up and let me know who I left off. So thanks for tuning in. I will see you guys next Friday on the Blindside Blitz. But until then, Carpe Diem, seize the day. See you guys next week. Peace out. Oh,